and welcome to Game & Watch with Aaron and James, the show where we talk about games we've been gaming and movies and TV shows we've been watching. I'm Aaron. And I'm James. And today we are talking about The Host, the 2006 monster movie, uh, and also the third feature film directed and co-written by Bong Joon-ho. Yeah. And that is going to be the first of many butcherings of Korean names that I do during this episode. I, I was going to say, we, I'm going to apologize if we did for your name. Um, I'm definitely going to mess these up. I'm going to mess them up. But, I'm better at uh, Japanese than Korean. Um, yeah. I'm not very good at either. Uh, but we can at least say that, uh, despite the tricky names, great movie, very great movie. And I just want to clarify to anyone who might be confused. We are not doing or, the David Hyde on, Pierce film. The anyone out there who's, who's <laughs> keeping their fingers crossed that we're going to cover the David Hyde Pierce film, the perfect host, or alternatively the 2013, uh, movie, the host by, uh, famed twilight author, Stephanie Meyer. Based off her book, we're not doing that one either. Maybe we'll do that for like a moment, like a momentous episode. The episode one hundred might be a good David Hyde Pierce is the perfect host, famed or, character actor David Hyde Pierce. Or or yeah, or or we could just do a host themed month. Yeah, and then we could if there's any hostess video games or hostess films, we could do that. Like Ooh, a Twinkie, I, like a Twinkie video game. I, I I thought you were talking about like a. An airplane hostess. Oh, we could do that too. I think they're called flight attendants, James. They Air are. Hostess. Air hostess sounds like something from 1963. Back the good old days when you could smoke a pack of cigarettes on a on a plane. A whole pack. A whole yeah. pack. And if you didn't, you were kicked off the plane. That's yeah, United that's... got into a lot of trouble back then. I get it. Yeah. So what's your history with this movie? Um, you told me it existed, and then I watched it. Oh. So that's my history with it. And how and how's that working for you? Um, well, I'll admit there was some initial confusion because I did genuinely think that you were talking about the David Hyde Pierce film, The Perfect Ghost, <laughs> when you originally brought this up. I would have loved to have gotten like I'm like working on our outline and to get a text from you saying I'm halfway through the perfect host and I just realized that this is not the host. <laughs> Or what I would love is we get to the outline stage and then we're both working on the outline and realize we're doing different films. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, we've, we've messed this up once and it was pretty funny with the Wario Land a, episode. It was, yeah. it was, a, it was a great time. I think it worked because there was a lot to say about both of those we games. Were, we were talking about two short video games. It would have been much more difficult. We're both trying to talk about <laughs> the, the parallel plots two, two of two completely films. different, maybe even three, three hours. We could have a guest on and tell them that we're doing Andrew Nichols, the host to get them prepared to oh, talk about only. that. And then we just come in with two. You know, so we have like a three movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, well regrets. We, that didn't happen. It. Yeah. Rest in peace to that idea. Yeah. Uh, but this is the first time I had heard of this film uh, and the first time I had seen it. Um, however, there's an interesting synchronicity because Edgar's nieces are both super into uh, All of Us Are Dead on Netflix. And oh, yeah. Extra Extraordinary Attorney Wu, I believe it's called. Oh, I don't know what that um, is. It, both Korean. Um, and they were super into um, Squid Games as well. So, yeah. Uh, in the household, there's a lot of Korean uh, cinema buzz going on. So it's oh, that's fun. awesome. 
So yeah, I got to participate in that uh, when I watched this film. I got to recommend it to them and they yelled at me and told me to watch All of Us Are Dead and uh, Great Attorney Wu for like the millionth time. So maybe I will. Well, only if they watch this. Actually, I think they probably will if I recommend it. So. Oh, yeah. Well, that's great. I um, I've Tell me seen, about your history. I, I saw this movie for the first time last year. I had thought for so long that I had seen it. And then I realized that I was thinking of a different movie, but I wasn't thinking of Andrew Nichols, the host or, or... <laughs> David I'd Pierce smash hit the perfect host. <laughs> There's I don't, so many host movies. I honestly don't know what movie I was thinking about, but uh, so I watched it for the first time last year and I really liked it. I am a huge fan of Bong Joon-ho. I have seen all of his features now and this is, I think this is a great movie and it's not even in my top three Bong Joon-ho movies. Dang, okay. Yeah. So, I'm just going to rattle all those off. <laughs> uh, Parasite, definitely number one. Number two, Memories of Murder. Number three, Snowpiercer. I think they're all just fantastic movies. This is a close fourth. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I've, I've seen two out of those three, I believe. Um, this one, I would, I, I, I don't think it's as good as uh parasite or as good as Snowpiercer. Yeah. It, but it, it, yeah, very good movie. I, I, I liked it more this second time seeing it than I did the first time. And I did very much enjoy it the first time. I think I might've, I, I wasn't really sure what to expect going into it the first time. I, I kept her, hearing this like categorized as a, as a monster movie, but also as a horror movie. And I do not think this is a horror movie no i think this is a monster movie slash and satire yes and i think i appreciated the satire more here not that i was blind to it the first time i think i was just tonally confused i was wondering like when anything horror related was going to happen and not like upset that it didn't i think i just went in with a different attitude this time the right yeah, you brought the right stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um I I went into this, I, I watched it twice, kind of. I watched it one time full through, and then to go back and take notes, I watched you know large chunks of it here and there. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of watched it two times, multiple scenes two times. Um, and I think what threw me at first, the first time, at least at the beginning for the first maybe 45 minutes is uh, I was expecting there to be a lot more cultural differences than there really were. Um, mm. I was afraid that I would miss any satire or comedy because of cultural differences, but I really don't think I did. I think I was kind of looking to lose things in translation. Yeah. But really, I think this most of the satire comes through. I don't think I really missed anything. Yeah, I, I think in, in, in looking up the history of the development of this movie, there's there's some stuff that is apparently unique to Korean like political history. But the general gist, and this is not, I'm not trying to like minimize the satire here or criticize it in any way, but like it's like authority bad, government bad. And that's totally fine. I'm 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 usually here for any satire like that. I love that kind of stuff. They also satirize monsters. They make monsters out to be very bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's a real monster set yeah if your monsters were very offended by this movie yeah um so let's get into the development um so this inspiration came to director bong from various sources there were there was an incident in 2000 where a mortician in the u.s military stationed in seoul 
reported that he was ordered to dump a ton of formaldehyde down a drain. And that was like, you know, very clearly, as we'll get into the key inspiration to this movie. I don't know anything about formaldehyde. I should have maybe looked up kind of like what the point of it is. Well, isn't it? It's in it's for embalming, right? It's to preserve things. Oh, that's where I've heard it. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I Edgar asked the same thing because we watched it together and he was asking what it was for. And also, does it actually like hiss and smoke like that when it's exposed to air? That seems like I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I know it's very it's not it doesn't smell good, but I don't know like what else there is about it. I also think it's a component in PCP if I've seen enough episodes of Intervention. Oh, yeah. We should have done PCP to prepare for this episode. <laughs> yeah, I, you don't know I didn't. <laughs> okay, so we'll find out. Stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned to part 29 when I'm still talking. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think just I can't stop. Um. Is a perfect marriage with this idea of formaldehyde down the drain. This the other inspiration came when he saw a local article about a deformed fish caught in the Han River. This really it's a very on the nose uh, inspirations here. He really took that quite literally those two things and combined them. Yeah, he grafted them, and then we'll get to uh, the deformed fish, but in a like really brilliant uh, foreshadowing, um, kind of tied those two ideas together. Yeah. So this movie had some budget restrictions, which is tough when you're making a CGI monster movie. And, I, and I, you can you can tell you can tell uh, watching it. But I will say um, I don't think it detracts from the film. I agree all that much. All I thought it much. was a little jarring. How did you feel the first like what were I mean, I guess oh, you watched like you said like one and a half times when, when you was it like jarring, but not like it didn't bother you. It didn't bother me. I, I think once I saw the creature and kind of saw the effects and the budget they were working with, my brain kind of clicked with it and then mm-hmm. it was fine. Um, I would say this is like, this is not a triple A film, but I'll say this is an A film. Yeah. Um. So th- there are effects that work. And I think the creature, especially certain shots, works very well. Absolutely. And the CGI was done by, I think, like a defunct video visual effects studio called the orphanage which like around the same time or after had done various other movies the day after tomorrow which i don't i probably seen the movie a couple times i don't know if i remember it very well but grindhouse which i did not know which is very interesting because i mean grindhouse is probably just the the planet terror segment was one that needed the most cgi spy kids 3d which as i recall had pretty shitty cgi and then Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, which say what you will about that movie. The CGI on um, what's his name? Bill Maybe Nye's Jones. character is, is incredible. Yeah, it still holds really up uh, yeah. de- better than the CGI here. But also that movie probably had like quadruple. What, I mean, Disney. Yeah, yeah, Disney, money. Disney, too. Exactly. So we mentioned this is a satire. So Bong wanted this movie to be largely a satire and a political commentary. There's a you know satirization of the Korean government as bumbling uncaring bureaucrats which yeah like i said if you're gonna portray the government and or like police as bumbling and or uncaring i'm 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 here for that (laughs) you could usually win me over with a satire that way as long as it's done well um it also pokes a lot of fun at the u.s especially our military which i mean we're the cause of the this problem we're to blame for the host also (laughs) stephanie myers the host Uh, um (laughs) 
Well, what's what's kind of interesting though is, um, I, do you see the satire as being front and center, or do you see it as almost being on the side? On the side. On the side. It's yeah. kind of interesting because if this was his goal, if he wanted the movie to be largely a satire, political commentary. I think there are elements of those things, but I think he failed if that was his goal, because I don't think it's largely those things. Yeah. And so I I, I, I want to say this now in case I kind of forget to pointedly touch on it later and, and kind of. So I, I, I rewatched a, a, bu- a, bu- a handful more of his movies. I mean, it's not really a handful, but um, and I it was thinking a lot about some of his other movies that I'd seen, especially Memories of Murder, which was a huge hit. And it was the one he did before this. He. And what kind of thinking about his evolution as a filmmaker, he is really his movies really sing when he allows his characters to kind of just exist in this world and and be human beings and be and like when the when the satire is there, but it's kind of a side and just the characters that inhabit the world and he, like some of his characters are like you usually is like at least one like bumbling character and like the main the dad in this in this movie song Kang Ho's character in this movie is kind of like the comedic lead of the movie and just the lead of the movie in general and he's he's so good at being kind of like a dimwit but in such a very serious situation and Bong does that in a lot of his movies and have like very serious situations where very silly things happen and I don't I don't know how to put it. It's just a it's a type of like some of the dark comedy it, it derives from like having very serious things going on, but people kind of laughing or doing stupid things in the face of it or reacting very like like in a really ridiculous way to really serious things happening, very dark or grave things. But like I, there's something about the way Bong does it. I think even some other Korean cinema does it that is unique and I can't put my finger on it. Do you, do you feel that way at all? Yeah. I think what you, what you're circling around is kind of like absurdism really. Yeah. Uh, um, And there, this movie definitely has elements of that, of just completely absurd solutions or explanations or um, just perspectives given to these very serious, you know, dangerous situations. Yeah. And even, and, and, and I think that, and he, this, that comes through in Snowpiercer too. And I'm even thinking in, so I'm not going to spoil really anything about Memories of Murder for you, but Memories of Murder is kind of just like about this Korean police department that's trying to catch a serial killer. And it's in like a town, an area of like Korea where there, there really weren't any serial killings at all. And so their their police department has no idea what to do. They're completely inept and they're kind of stupid also. They don't have like DNA testing, so they have to like ship it out to the U.S., and so you kind of see them tripping over themselves in a very serious situation. Very like it's a very dark movie, very serious. But there's a lot of like lighthearted comedy and just the characters kind of being dumb. Like, again, they're not like ignoramuses, but they're like, you know, they're not the brightest bulbs either. And I think that in even in that very serious situation, Bong does like dialogue and the, his actors are really great. Song Kang Ho's in that one too. And I just really, I really love what Bong does with this movie. And like the, the, the satire is not totally front and center. He allows this to just be a fun, entertaining monster movie with, with some satire you know, on the side and with some satire, but also really believable performances. And um, I think that's, that's a fine line to walk. Exactly. Yeah, and I think pretty much all the principal leads are able to vacillate between these like crazy, um, 
you know, hyperbolic levels of like humor and satire, but also really grounded levels of human tragedy based on kind of the stuff they have to go through. Yeah, I think you said it better and more concisely than I than I did. The 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 kind of like real situation that they're in and just I don't know, being able to the very very human people. They these are not caricatures. No. Yeah. And I think it, it it's stronger for that. Um it's almost it's like a, it's, it's not like so realistic to the point where we're like what did this happen to us? Like in in Chicago or in Guatemala, but what what would happen if this happened in Guatemala? Do you think you guys would handle it well? I think so. Yeah, uh, I, I I will decline to comment on what Guatemalan society as a whole will do, <laughs> but I would definitely try and hunt that monster and possibly gain powers from it. <laughs> oh, you're gonna go to the next level. Yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely. I respect that. So this movie was received pretty well. Very highly anticipated because Memories of Murder, which, which preceded, like I said, was was very successful. It was at one point the highest grossing South Korean film of all time. Now it's like the 19th, which is interesting in that it does that say a lot about the dollar. Or does that say a lot about the movies, like of, uh, movies in general, the qualities of film? And and I, I went through that list and I was trying to see how many of the top 19 I had seen. And it was I thought it was going to be hot, more than it actually was. There's was a lot I hadn't seen. And I mean, I've seen, you know, I haven't seen tons and tons of Korean cinema, but I've seen a lot. Um, so I'm, I kind of want to go back and like check those out and see like what kind of movies are the movies there that are, you know, breaking box office records and such. I mean, I'm sure Parasite is up there. I'm sure I'm sure Snowpiercer is up there. I So I actually think Parasite is below this one. And I, it was really? really it was really highly seen in South Korea, too. Huh. I, I don't know. I, I, I again, like, take a look at the list if you're curious. I, I did not recognize many of the many of the movies up there. I wish I remembered some of the the big ones that I remembered. But, um, yeah. So this one best film at various Asian Film Awards ceremonies, and I think one of the notable champions of this movie and of Bong Joon Ho's in general was Quentin Tarantino. He named it as one of his favorite movies that have come out since he became a director. And he also Bong Joon-ho, I think, is actually the only director who has two movies on that list of Quentin Tarantino's, this and Memories of Murder. That doesn't surprise me, actually. Um, I can now that I that you made that connection, I can between Tarantino and this director. Mm -hmm. um, I, I get it because there's Tarantino's work similarly has levels of kind of absurdity or characters working at different levels of kind of dealing with raw human situations. And then these are also very heightened kind of exaggerated yeah. situations and scenarios. So I, I see those two. I would love to be in a room with the two of them because I feel like they would have a lot to talk about. Yeah. I feel like there's similarities to be had. He has been like a long like champion of Bong Joon-ho's work and has tried to bring it to the U.S. and have it seen by a larger audience. Um, so I it like, you know, warms my heart when I see things like that. I, I, it's, it's a shame that it's not being seen in general but i'm just glad that people are trying to get international films seen by more people yeah and i'm really glad i saw this the only reason that i hadn't before was i just didn't know about it so mm -hmm. had this movie you know garnered more exposure i i would have seen it um, yeah so yeah i would i would love to get into more korean cinema and things like that so. I, I hadn't seen it 
in like for so long and I had heard of it and it was like a but when I would see the poster, I thought it was one of those like really cheap, like low budget American horror movies. I didn't even know. Again, I heard, I kept hearing it was a horror movie. I saw it on some list. I didn't know it was Korean. I was I, like, is this like black sheep, you know, <laughs> or like I, Thanksgiving? I think that's also again, we talked about it, but it's a mischaracterization. I wouldn't put this on a list of horror. films. Absolutely not. And I, I think that's maybe why you were reluctant because. Yeah. All right, let's so let's briefly introduce the main characters for because we're going to be referring we're going to be butchering a lot of names repeatedly. So maybe we should just say them, say them up. I may also just say the main guy, his sister, his brother, his dad. Um, So that may also happen. And again, it's fair enough. It's not me trying to be a cultural chauvinist. It's me being very dumb and very bad at pronouncing Korean names. Let me take a crack at it, and then I mean, do whatever you're comfortable with. I'm I might have to switch to that if I start feeling really self conscious about it. Um, but really, the main characters are just the Park family. Yes. So there is Gang Du, who's played by Song Kang Ho, who is in the vast majority of Bong Joon Ho movies, and he has become like one of my favorite actors. He's so good at playing serious, playing funny. He's just he's incredible. And I and I rewatched Parasite um a couple nights ago and he's just he's so outstanding in that movie. It, it blows me away. But I think his he, I, um yeah. his range is incredible. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And I was even more impressed with his work here. I think I don't I don't think I gave it enough credit the first time I saw it. And but his acting here is really great. He's not just being asked to be buffoonish because he has very serious moments and and there are moments of true drama in this in this in this film and i think that he excels at at all of that so he he plays this um kind of a deadbeat dad and i feel like i'm doing the character disservice by calling him a deadbeat dad he's just he's a clumsy lazy guy who runs a small snack bar in the park with his dad uh right near the han river uh the dad's name is hebong and then we have his daughter is Hyung Hyung Seo, who I don't think is in the picture or the mom's not in the picture anymore. That's right. No, she's. Yeah. Uh, and then he, we have his uh, gang dude's brother and his sister. His, his sister is Namju and his brother is Namil. Uh, Namju is a national medalist archer and Namil is an alcoholic, former political activist. And you know, he's an alcoholic because you see him drinking a lot. He's not, yeah. you know. Also, one of them gets the short end of the stick, I feel like, characterization-wise, and I feel like it's not ill. Yeah, without a doubt. He it's he out of all of them, it's like you're it's telling, not showing. Yes. Yeah. And and that and that's fine with me. I mean, I think there's a lot of work being done on more important characters. Like he doesn't need to be it didn't bother no, me. No, 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 no. It doesn't bother me either. It's just he's a lot more of a caricature than any of the other members of his family. Just yeah. because um, the other members of his family, I feel like, are very well-rounded and very well-acted. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And in the and the the daughter, um, Gangdu's sister Namju, the actress. I don't know how to pronounce her name either, but she is in a lot more things than I realized. She's also kind of. Uh, a repeating actress in some Bong Joon-ho movies. And she, she's quite good now that I've seen her in a couple other things. I, she's not, she's given so, like a decent amount to do here. She's definitely not a 
like a main main character this is i think this is very much even though she's in a lot of it this, this is really much very much like the song hang kang ho show yeah um which he's more than up to the task all right so the movie start op- us off yeah the movie opens with an american military scientist who is played by scott uh glenn no not glenn i can't even remember the actor's name but he plays herschel in the walking dead which was just jarring to me the first time I saw it and it was jarring to me again and I'm not even really a fan of The Walking Dead I was just like how do sometimes you, you just see an actor you're like how did they come to be in this movie <laughs> did they know someone did a friend of a friend say it like did they audition along with tons of other people I, I just it's weird to me yeah it's... but the, the scientist orders his Korean assistant and this again this is in Korea to dump 200 bottles of formaldehyde down a drain that leads to the Han River despite the assistant's protests he does so just you know, these are toxic chemicals. Um, and so he, he does it all, and it looks like quite a lot of formaldehyde. Well, and too, again, he's pouring the formaldehyde, and it's there's just these billowing clouds of seemingly toxic fumes coming yeah. out of the sink. And then there's a shot where it just pans across all the empty bottles, and it's like, guy, like, did maybe you need more gloves or another breathing mask or something? That's a lot of formaldehyde. Yeah. Yeah, and it has consequences because we see then a few brief scenes over the course of the next six years of various sightings of a odd looking creature in the waterway. And we I think there's like a news article that says that fish in the Han River have started dying. And so this that that I think that event takes place in 2000 and then 2002. There's like a quick scene of fishermen seeing this small, strange looking creature in the river. And then skip to 2006, where the majority of the movie takes place. But there's kind of like a. um a separate kind of scene of just a, a man on a bridge trying to kill himself. And he notices um, something swim underneath the water. When this, I didn't rewind it. I don't know why, but when I was rewatching this, do you actually see anything move under the water? Or you just have to take his word for it. The, like the, the, there was a like glare in the room I was watching it in, in that moment. And I didn't see anything move under the water. <laughs> I saw like a dark shadow under the water. Um, I may have made that up uh, in my I, own head, but I, I think you're I right. See, uh, a shadow. Also, I do appreciate how in both of these scenes, both when the creature is seemingly teeny tiny and when it's under the water, they hold back from showing it. Yeah. They do show the creature relatively early. Um, but I like that they hold back, especially in the 2002 scene when the fishermen kind of catch this little creature in a cup. Yeah, I feel like it would have been really easy to show like a shot of a tiny little model. Oh, or yeah. Some, like something that would have been up. very bad, bad looking. Yeah. And I'm glad that they hold off on that. I agree. And it was is this one of those movies where like some monster movies really excel when you don't see the monster, when you keep like the thing hidden for so long. And then others, they just show it right away. And I want to ask you kind of up front, or maybe this is a question. Let me know if you'd rather answer this at the end. But do you think this would have been a better movie? Again, you'd have to redo some scenes. But like, would you have preferred to not have seen the creature for more of this movie? No, especially because um, so much of what the creature does is is public and in public. Yeah. Um, I think movies where you don't see the creature, it's typically because the creature is operating from the shadows. Um, so I think it makes sense to have the creature front and center as being seen early on. Also, I think if the creature's design were weaker, that, that decision would not work. I think the creature design in this film is top notch. Yeah. And so even though the effects weren't always triple a, um, I think the creature design carried, carried a lot of that through for me. Would you say like the care, the CGI wasn't plus ultra? 
<laughs> you know, it wasn't Detroit plus Ultra. <laughs> insert other. I wanted to say Big Hero Six. <laughs> we should start calling things Big Hero Six when we think they're really cool. We should. Really good. That's like that's Big Hero Six level. And then yeah. if things are less cool, you could say, "Well, it's like a Big Hero Three. <laughs> yes. Um, you heard it here first. Yeah. I like what you said because I think one of the strengths of this movie, especially like this being like the first sequence, all about we'll describe in, in a second, kind of our introduction to the family and to the you know the first creature attack is that one. I love that the cre- first creature attack happens very quickly. I also love that it takes place in broad daylight. Oh yeah, and you see yep. everything. It's it's great. It's a huge plus. I I, I think a, a a failure of some monster movies, depending again, it depends on the type of monster movie. But if this movie had ta- been taking place the majority at night and every scene was just like a stalking the, the creature, stalking someone who doesn't know that the creature is there and then killing them, it would have gotten very tiring. But instead, we get this. So we open up with Gang Du at a, sna- a snack shop. He's asleep at the job. As, as usual, and he's, you know, we see kind of get a glimpse into how he's kind of like, you know, a, a bumbling, uh, clumsy guy. He's, you know, asked to cook some squid for customers. He, you know, eats one of the legs off the squid because he's just he doesn't care. He's he's not a good father. Uh, we learned he's got a daughter. Um, he's clumsy. He doesn't have much money. He, he steals from his from his dad's shop. Um, his daughter shows up very soon and we find out very quickly that he did not go to his daughter's parents day. Instead, he had his drunk brother come and and go instead, which is a funny, I I would have loved to have known like what the conversation was like, Oh, I can't go. I have to work. I'll send your, send your, your alcoholic (laughs) uncle. Um, he's in sweatshirt, uh, a sweatshirt and baggy sweatpants for a lot of the movie, which, is another thing that I, I just feel like you won't see many American movies like that. And maybe I'm just romanticizing Korean cinema or this movie, but I just feel like you're not going to catch like a high budget, you know, Hollywood movie sticking their bumbling hero in sweatpants and a sweatshirt. I Bro. remember thinking very clearly that he looked incredibly comfortable yeah, um, and I remember thinking that it would probably be great to be an actor, uh, to be him in that role, because your costume is just these comfy clothes for most of the shoot. Yeah, that's um, a good point. Yeah, the other thing too is, so I I don't know that he's a bad father, and I think you you're right. Touch I'm, on I'm being a little he's, harsh on him. Yeah, I I saw him as he's like he's a Homer Simpson. That's exactly what he is. Yeah, he's he's not ill intentioned. He's not like malicious. He's just kind of dumb and a little selfish aloof and he himself yeah. aloof yeah and just kind of goofy i i never pictured him and i don't think he meant it this way but he's not he's not ill-intentioned he's he's a yes. good guy he's just not maybe ambitious or trying to be father of the year i'm glad you clarified because yeah i completely agree he's he is a very likable character yes he is he is i mean he's the um, hero of the movie and there aren't times we were like man this guy's a shithead he's not you know a bad person yeah we should also mention in terms of his physical appearance besides the sweats uh he has his hair partially dyed blonde yeah uh, highlights does <laughs> highlights yeah and it does come into the like the film people call him blondie people know of him because of his blonde hair yeah and there's this moment coming up in a second that i i laughed out loud i did it the first time i maybe i was wondering if i didn't even notice it but i'll get to that in a second that has to do with his hair. So 
They go into the snack shop, he and his daughter, to watch his sister Namju's archery competition. She does not do very well, and she wins a bronze medal. They make a comment that she's too slow on her release, which is like a major checkoffs, like a double checkoffs gun type thing. Yes. The, art, the bow and arrow, and then you know her being a little foreshadowing there. Would you say instead of a Chekhov's gun, it's a Namju's bow and arrow? I, w- I would say, that, <laughs> yes. I couldn't disagree with you. <laughs> you couldn't if you tried. <laughs> I couldn't. Um, on the TV, we briefly see a news story of a man found in the river with the lower half of his body missing. I love that they sneak that in there. I don't think I even noticed it the first time, or at least I didn't remember that moment. Was that the guy who committed suicide? I, by think, jumping so. Off the bridge? I think so. I think, yeah, I think you're led to believe. Yes. So I like that they bring that back so quickly. And so Gangdu is asked by his father to go give some complimentary drinks to customers who complained that their squid had only nine legs because, like I mentioned, he ate one. And he joins this group of people who are noticing a creature hanging from a bridge. I love that they're not like watching the water and they can't quite see what they see. Like they are literally watching this very obvious creature that no one has ever seen before hanging from a bridge and their reactions are just kind of like i think their reactions are kind of realistic like it's so unrealistic what this creature is is and what it's doing like you know this is wrong but you're almost like trying to convince yourself that maybe you're mistaken well and one of the comments too one of the people says oh is that something for a construction project which again just does the thing where I think you're right when you see something so jarringly out of place your brain scrambles to try and make sense of it and you would come up with like well I don't know maybe you know maybe it's for some kind of weird construction thing they're doing right it's a giant like aquatic creature amphibian like hanging upside down under a bridge like why would you ever in a million years think that it had anything to do with construction but again I can see your brain just kind of blanking out and not knowing what to do with it I I wonder like you see so many movies would we still let our brains trick us in that moment too I don't know if it happened to us hopefully it won't but they quickly I think realize that there's something wrong uh, because yeah it it drops into the water and the group like starts throwing excitedly throwing things at the water and, and like the creature grabs it and then the creature swims off. And in what I think is such a cool way to introduce the, it, it's very unceremonious in a way, like it swims off and people are like, Oh, it's gone. And then gang do is looking down the river side and we see the creature really far off in the distance, like it's out of the water all of a sudden and just running down to- back towards them, just knocking people off. Galloping. Galloping. Yeah. So, so do you want to describe the creature? I, I like I feel like I could try, but I don't I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I um the second I saw it, I kind of decided it was a fish horse. Um, so yeah. it has a fish upper also too, again, we mentioned it before, but, um, enough, you know, chef chef's kiss cannot go into the design of this creature. I think it, it's very, very well designed. Yeah. Um, so it has a fish head, um, with kind of these different like plates, uh, like tooth plates yeah. kind of forming over its mouth. It's like multiple jaws kind of like all concentric. Yeah, or or something. I don't know. And then it has a very elongated body with um, limbs, both primary kind of limbs that it runs around and climbs on, but also these kind of dangling vestigial limbs, like almost that it doesn't need anymore. 
Um, and then a very long kind of sinewy tail that it can, it, it's, um, it can use like an appendage. And because of how it moves, because of its long body and because of its almost gallop, that's why I almost see it as, as a fish horse. Um, it's kind of almost the closest thing I would equate it to. Yeah, I, I didn't think horse, but you're right. Because it, it does really just sort of gallop. And it's about it's I mean, it's bigger than a horse, but I would say it's about the size of like two large horses. That's the thing, too, about this monster. It's not that big either, but definitely big enough to be big enough. Yeah, big enough. But I, when I was looking up this movie, I saw it described as a kaiju movie. And I also don't know. That's, that's not either. accurate either. What it's is with accurate. all this inaccurate? It's, I know description it's of not this movie. It, it's not a horror movie. It's not a kaiju movie. This is not a kaiju. It's it's a monster. It's only a creature. It's definitely a monster. It's it is not a kaiju. Yeah. So the creature starts getting closer again. It's knocking people, you know, way into the water and such. And it just basically just starts attacking people. And some people are just kind of knocked away. Some people are trampled. Some people kind of just like get some scrapes. Other people, and almost all of this is off screen. It very much implied that the, the creature is just eating them. And there's like a cool moment where like the it, the people are like running into this like trailer or something, and the creature runs in. Like there are people like trying to get out, and like they're bleeding. Yeah. And and what I found really interesting, um, is that when pe- all those people are trapped in that trailer, Gangdu like does not hesitate to go help them. And what I'm curious about is like, do you think that's odd? We, we don't know much about him, but we've learned a little bit about him. And he's a little self-serving, a little bumbling. Do you think it already goes against what little we know about him so far for him to so willingly and fearlessly try to help? So I do. Um, I almost wonder if it's kind of uh, the case of the media influencing the story. Like, I wonder if the director wanted close-up shots of the trailer and the people trapped inside. And figure the best way to do that would be to get Gangdu to go over to it. Hmm. Um, I don't know, because I, I agree. I think he's a good guy, but much in the same way, like I can't imagine Homer Simpson jumping in a burning building to save people out of nowhere. I can't really imagine Gangdu doing the same thing. Right. I, found I wonder it if they odd. just wanted a close up of that. Yeah. And, it, and it's not that I don't like it, that they, they the choice. It just doesn't quite seem consistent with what we know about him so far. I agree. And and so he that, that kind of goes a little bit further because it's, I, this white guy shows up with highlights in his hair too. this kind of like, I don't want to call him a bro, but oh, he's, he's very clear. He, I guess you're right. And he's like, I'm going to help out. Yeah, he's all tough and he tries to help distract the creature. And like, so Gangdu and him are kind of like working together, but the white guy dies and Gangdu like smashes its tail with like, a I don't know, the concrete part of like a parking sign or something which it seemed like whatever he lifted up is like way too oh, heavy to yeah. lift. There's no way. There's yeah. no way he would be able to. There's lift no that. way. Yeah. Um, and so notably he smashes the a little bit. He gets the injures the creature's tail and he gets some blood of the creature squirted on his face. So Gangdu goes to help his daughter escape, uh, but he loses her in the crowd. They trip and fall. And when he gets up, he grabs some other girl's hand. And that's something that's a little bit recurring that will be referenced a couple times, but the creature grabs his daughter with its tail and jumps into the river and kind of like swims to the other side and then like swims off. Um, I think I cut, I think there were only, uh, there were a couple things that I didn't mention just really like little things that I found amusing, not like big, that's the kind of all the big plot points of the, of the opening sequence. But I love 
I love that he has a comment about he like gives his daughter beer and he's just she's like, yeah. why are you giving me alcohol? He's like, you're in middle school now. <laughs> <laughs> and there, and I didn't notice this the first time I saw it, but like she's walking with him when we first meet her. He grabs her backpack while it's already on her back, like the bottom of it, like and he's lifting it as if he's like thinks he's helping her. <laughs> He's just, I, uh, I love I that. That's such, that. that's such good. I want to know if that was improvised or not, if that was just really good direction, but I just, it's such a tiny moment that I think like really fleshes out the character in a, in a way you wouldn't really like, you wouldn't really think of, but I, I found that amusing, but that's all I had for the opening sequence. So, yeah. So uh, after this attack, we cut to kind of a public service for the victims of the attack. Uh, there's a bunch of people. There's a bunch of pictures of all the victims along the back wall. Um, we have Gangdu and his family. Um, they all kind of show up one by one. It starts off with Gangdu and his father. Um, but then, um, oh, gosh, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to scroll up. His sister. Namju. Yeah. No, yes, Namju comes Namju. Um, bringing her bronze medal um, to show the picture of um, Hyunseo. Yes, we're getting these names. Yeah, um, I think that's the hardest and, one. Yeah, it is. Um, but so the family, each one of them kind of comes one at a time and they, they start to break down crying. And this is where some satire comes in. Um, they all just get increasingly hysterical. I and love it. Sobbing, and then they're all holding each other. <laughs> and then eventually they all just completely fall over and are rolling around in the ground sobbing. Um, and reporters come up and start t- taking photographs of them, which I really love. Yeah. Um, we get a little extra um, reference to uh, Gangdu not grabbing Hyun Seo's hand and grabbing the wrong hand. Nam Il blames him for her death because of that mistake. Yeah, they they were like making fun of him a lot for being a a dummy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they make fun of him, but in this case, it's very it's it's very serious. Yeah, they, they kind of fight about it on the ground. It's a little. It's a kind of. It's fair. Yeah, grab, it is. It, it's chaos, but I I would be mad. I mean, yeah. Um, we got some background on Hyunseo's mom. Um, we kind of get the deal with her. She left at birth, and she hasn't been a part of his life. So um, Gangdu's dad says, and I, I love this, I'm paraphrasing, but essentially she was born an accident and now she died in an accident. And he says it in this way that's yeah. supposed to be like, huh, isn't that wild? <laughs> it's like, it's your granddaughter and she's seemingly dead. I don't know. Um, that, but he is, says, it, you think that's intentional comedy? I don't know. I don't know. I found it to be hilarious either way. Um, Because if it's comedy, it's a funny joke. But if it's not comedy, it's like a weird insight into how his brain works. Um, And I appreciate that as well. Yeah. Um, But going on with how his brain works. um, So uh, Gangdu's dad says that uh, as an animal that has killed humans, it needs to be torn limb from limb and that it's their duty as humans um, which is something that will come into later, their motivation uh, to kill a creature. That is one of them. Yeah. So the government comes in. It's this guy hilariously coming in in a, in a human biohazard suit. <laughs> and he kind of strolls in and he's like, hey, guys, um, can you raise your hand if you were ex- like if you d- were in direct contact with the creature? And everyone's kind of like, wait, what? And then he kind of reiterates it. And someone's like, uh, wait a minute. Can you explain what the fuck is happening? Um, and essentially the idea is anyone who is connected with a creature may have been exposed, um, and they need to sort of take them into quarantine them. Uh, the, the guy very hilariously, I love when movies do this. He's like, guys, guys, we need to do this because 
of what's on the news right <laughs> now. And then yeah. he turns it on and flips through the channel and the news just isn't on. Um, and I love it because in so many disaster movies or monster movies, they f- turn on the news and the news is like immediately what they need to hear. Is that... <laughs> Is that guy the same guy who comes in and he just falls down? He falls on the floor and then he gets back up like nothing happened. Yes, yes. I do like I, that's another choice where I'm like, was that on purpose? Like, is that just like a good like physical comedy bit you wanted to shove in there? Either way, I I love it. I think when this movie, and again, I don't know how much is intentional, how much is directorial choice, how much is the improv. But it's funny. Like this movie, yeah. when it when it is funny, it is very funny. And we should just say again, it's not a fucking horror movie. <laughs> it's not a horror movie. Um, I I have a note here that is actually from later uh, about someone who died, but we'll move on from that. Okay. But they do announce on the news that um, there are all these like troops and dis disinfectant boats kind of um going up and down the canal now, um, patrolling for this creature, presumably. Yeah. So everyone is essentially kidnapped um, and taken to a hospital. They put they put Gang Du in, in his in a body bag, like and they drag him in the body bag. It's they, like, like a garment it bag. It's yeah. like a yellow yeah. garment bag. Yeah. I also like that it has its own like ventilation. It has its own like tube coming out that yeah. you can still get air from. It's so. Funny. Um. Was this okay? Is this a real hospital? What do you think? As opposed to... As opposed to, like, just a place that they're holding them and they're having people dress up as doctors. Oh, that's a great question because I either... I mean, I don't know what hospitals look like in Korea, but it doesn't quite look fully... It looks like a very white building that there are doctors in. Well, but are they doctors? Because they comment that a guy guy who is supposedly a doctor is not wearing a mask. Some, Some suspicion from the start. Yeah, yeah, I so I saw this as like a military like base where they're oh. just keeping them because they don't know what to do with them yet. You are probably right. Yeah, I didn't see this as a real hospital because also uh, Gangdu was brought in in that like bodysuit, but then when they show him waiting with his family at the hospital, he's kind of unzipped in on his own and he's kind of just chilling with his family, and no yeah. one's saying like you need to stay in that or you can't be out here. Um, so I got the impression that this is not a real actual hospital, that it was a place that the government's putting them until they know what to do with them. Hmm. But I, I think you're right here and are there. Yeah. Um, so Gangdu, because he uh, got the, as you mentioned, he got the blood on his face. He's like m- more highly quarantined. Um, so after it's kind of confusing because after this initial shot of him kind of hanging out with his family, he is in kind of some quarantine later, um, but he gets a phone call and it is from Hyun Seo. Um, she mentions that she is in a large sewer and that she is being held there by the creature. It's kind of unclear and the call is really hard to make out and they get cut off. But she does say that she's in a large sewer and then we do know that she is alive. Yes. Um, so we get another creature attack. Um, the creature captures and brings two of the decontamination de- workers back to its lair. Um, we know that's who they are because they are ambushed by their truck um, and they are wearing those bright yellow uniforms. We might want to say now what the creature is doing to people because it is like it's ca- capturing people in two ways. It's it's like grabbing them with their tail and then bringing them down. But it's it's like it eats people and then regurgitates them. Yes. And I still don't quite know exactly if, if it's supposed to be clear that it's straight up eating some people or 
like is it why is it is it regurgitating people and then eating them because we later see like skeletons all over the place like it's eventually eating them but not right away i i don't quite get what the creature's goal is and i guess maybe that's the I, point you're not yeah, supposed to I don't, I don't get it either i was waiting for uh like oh it's gathering you know humans for its babies or some kind of rationale for what it was doing and i don't think we ever got that yeah we don't spoiler i don't think it don't get matters necessarily yeah but yeah it's capturing people and like collecting them in the sewer but then you're right later it just straight up eats all of them and it has the ability to regurgitate people who are still alive afterwards but then also some people die when they're ingested so well and that's the thing too it's able to just regurgitate piles of bones so it's seemingly Mm -hmm. able to swallow people and digest them immediately yeah but also swallow people and not digest them but why wouldn't you just swallow the people and digest them if you were just going to eat them anyway yeah I i don't know I don't think it matters, but um, so Gangdu cutting back to him, he keeps trying to explain to the authorities that his daughter's alive, but it's not working. Like he's confusing. He's trying to explain that even though she's on the deceased list, she's not dead. Um, he's not doing a great job of explaining that, but also the um, official that he's explaining it to doesn't really care and even starts to mock him. He explains it the worst way possible. It's like she, yeah, she, yeah, she is listed as deceased, but she's not dead. Yeah, she's deceased, but she's not dead. He's just like, she's alive. That thing is wrong. I don't know. Yeah, I got a phone call from her. Yeah. Um. So, again, I think this is supposed to be part of the satire. The fact that the the person, seemingly his daughter is dead and he has this, this contagion. And the guy is just kind of mocking him and being like, you're dumb. You don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, but they escape from the hospital, the entire family, um, both to find Hyun Seo as well as kill the creature, kind of connecting it to um, what the grandfather said earlier. There's an escape, after the escape scene, when they're running in the parking lot, I love this. It's, <laughs> it's, it has big, um, uh, what am I thinking of? Um, Wet Hot American Summer, when they go yes. into town, oh it my has God, that yeah. energy, where they're yeah. all kind of just like shuffling around and running around like very short distances, and the camera's just kind of cutting back and forth between all of them. <laughs> Um, but I love it. It's it's very stupid. It's them running running away in the hospital parking lot and various agents kind of running after them. But then them kind of casually driving around and being like, ah, oh, we got to pick up our sister. Yeah, like, they just forgot about you. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, so then they go to uh, some shady types. Are these confirmed to be uh, criminals or are they just kind of shady? I, I think they're supposed to be like gangsters. They're yeah. gangsters. So they go to gangsters to buy a map of the sewers. <clears throat> And um, it kind of breaks their bank. It costs them 500,000 won. I thought this was a lot of money. Did you it's look like, up how much 500,000 won is? Uh, I think I did at the time. Like the current, ex- with the current exchange rate, it's only like $400 or something. Yeah, it's like 400 bucks, um, which I appreciated because watching the movie the first time, I was like, wow, you know, that's like, that's, that's got to be a lot. That's really a yeah. uh, burden on them. And then watching it the second time, I, I, decided to google it and it's like nope that's only about 400 bucks they have to use some of the money that he was saving for his daughter's new cell phone right yes the bucket of change for it yeah there's like mostly dimes she's like this is gonna take you forever to buy me a new cell phone um but tell us about one of the parts of the movies that i don't think works super well i'll get to that in a second there were were two things i wanted to mention about so there's a moment where like you find out all of the dads he bongs passwords are for his credit cards are one two three four yes yes and he has a i I think it's the dad i think it's he bong who has the line where he's like 
there because they they start to doubt that there's actually a virus. There's like one or two lines of dialogue about it. It's very quick. And as they're like bickering. And I think there was it's he bong who says if the government says so, we have to accept it. Yes. Which is funny too, given, Um, you know, obviously what this movie's trying to do. Um, okay, so agreed with you. Uh maybe we'll maybe we'll end up saying more when we get to like what doesn't work. Um, so the next sequence is it's kind of odd. Like there's these two homeless boys that encounter the creature who are they're like raiding a snack i think they're raiding the actual snack shop that we saw before and they're attacked by the creature the creature eats both of the boys brings them back to the sewer but it regurgitates them both but when it does that the older brother is dead and the younger brother seju seju is alive and he meets young so so uh who is playing dead to get the creature you know to not notice it uh, notice her and then when the creature leaves she takes Se- sejo to a drainage pipe that the creature cannot reach this just for one is just a little odd all of a sudden we've taken the focus away from the family for a for a little bit i mean young seo co- comes back into play um well we'll i guess we'll wait because because where where the whole this you know the seju plot line leads is i think one of the like the really only weak things about the movie so let's maybe we'll wait till we get to the resolution of that to talk yeah, more about yeah. how we how we think of it. So the uh, so Gang Du and the family encounter the creature again. So like they you know they for a bit they're they hold up in what I thought was the snack shop, but it also at one point looks like like a shipping con- like a shipping container like thing. I don't know what is it the snack shop. I think it's the snack shop because okay. they're able to cook food there. Oh, of course, right? Yeah. There's like ramen and all that kind of stuff there, and so like. Gang Deuce is asleep, and while he's asleep, He Bong starts telling the other kids basically to be nicer to Gang Du and to not stop blaming um, Gang Du. I don't, Gang Du, I'm, I'm so sorry. If it's Gang Du and Gang Du, I'll try to be better about that. Is this where they eat and um, the daughter is there with them? Yeah, there's a weird, like, sudden, yeah. like, daydream that, like, they, they're, like, daydreaming that she's there with them. And, like, it's not, it's unclear who's having that because only two of them notice, I think. It was, yeah, it's like this magical realism moment where they're all eating and then she's there too with them. Um, and they all kind of one at a time as they're eating, feed her something that they're chewing on or eating. Yeah. Not in like a weird bird vomiting in another bird's mouth way, but like a like a giving her food way. Yeah. And so this is, I think, a great example of the type of like comedy and serious moments that i think yes. bong jung ho is so good at so he bong again the mood is very serious he bong is telling the other kids you've you got to be nicer to gang do he like gang do he's he's dumb and lazy because he had a protein deficiency as a child <laughs> but he and the way it's delivered yes it's delivered with such seriousness that i actually stopped and was like wait a minute is that really the explanation? Like he didn't get enough protein as a kid? Yeah. Just because of his delivery. And then there, he says two other things on top of that. Again, very seriously. He says the first, the, the second, the latter is like absurd how like he says it so seriously. But he's like, he's like, Gangdu is not always dumb. When he was young, people would ask him for directions because he looked so smart. Yes, because he looked so smart. <laughs> I love that too. He's so proud of it. He's so proud of his son being asked for directions. Because he looked smart, not yeah. because he was. And then he also makes a comment, and, and correct me if I might if I'm misremembering this, but he like says that like Gangdu is smart 
based on the way he smells, like based on his farts. He's like, I like something I can, like that. Yeah, so, it's something it's like I even just tell like I can I'm with him all day in the snack shop and I can tell that he's smart just from the way he smells. And again, totally serious. I, I It's such an amusing sequence. I, I, I love that moment. Yeah. Again, talking about the acting in this film, it's you know, it's hard to do that range to go from like very, very self-serious and like silly, but also devastated because your daughter's dead. Like. The range on all these actors demonstrated in this film is pretty wild. Yeah, absolutely. So Gangdu wakes up and he notices that the creature is outside the, the shack watching them. And so they start, they kind of bust out of there and they shoot at the creature and it attacks them. So they, they were running at it. They're basically just emptying all their shotgun ammo into it. And they kind of chase it off for a little bit. It kind of retreats. I think it like goes like hangs from the bridge again. And yes. they realize they've run out of bullets or Hebong runs out of bullets. And Gangdu gives him his gun, says he's got bullets left. Turns out he miscounted. And so when the creature charge or charges at Hebong, Gangdu notices this and, and Hebong realizes he doesn't have enough ammo. And the, the base of the family watches as the creature kind of just charges at Hebong, knocks him to the ground, and then eventually like, grabs him with his tail and like whips him slams like him. slams him yeah. into the ground. Yeah. He's, dead and so like namil and namju run off and kind of are separated from gangdu and gangdu kind of in his grief is just like over his father's body crying and is captured by the military yes yeah um so we cut to a news report um talking about the agent yellow system so the yeah, yeah right <laughs> um so this is a very thinly veiled reference to agent orange i'm assuming uh, yeah. which is the biological weapon or chemical weapon used during the vietnam conflict i believe or something I, thereabouts. I think so um but they're talking about the agent yellow system to combat biological terror attacks by neutralizing biological agents within kilometers like a pretty wide range so we'll put a pin on that. We'll come back to that. Well, there's a, there's um, a funny moment where it, this I think this is when the civilians are like watching the news report and they're all just like, uh oh, like there's an infection in the water. And then the guy, this one guy takes off his mask and he's like, because he's coughing, he's in a coughing fit and he spits yeah. into the puddle in front of them. And then a car drives by, splashes the entire, by. or yeah, it just splashes the entire crowd with the puddle. And I was just everyone. thought that was very, even more amusing in, you know, COVID times. Yes, yes. Um, but this is the part where kind of everyone is split up, right? So yeah. uh, we have Gangdu is captured. Um, Nam Il is on his own. Um, he calls a friend of his, uh, we're led to believe, to help him locate the cell tower that is nearest to Hyun Seo's last call. So we figure if he can find the cell tower, then that'll be where she is. Pretty smart. Her. Yeah, actually, and, and yeah, not bad at all. I guess assuming there's a large density of, of cell towers. Because I, I guess maybe... I think I I should have mentioned that I didn't before is they kind of went around searching a ton of yes. different sewer areas once they got that map. But the sewers are so big that there's really not much they can do until they get further information. Yeah. Um. So they get the cell tower. He's able to get that information. But again, in another really goofy moment, there's a pack of bounty hunters trying to capture Nam Il for money. Yeah. Because again, they're they're like quote unquote the infected family. Or what are they known as in the media or on their wanted poster? Oh. It's like the infected family or something, right? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so, is, is this friend, does his friend like just 
clearly betray him. Yes. It seems like he just yes. sold him out. Yes, it's. It, I believe his. I think they make it clear that his friend like totally sold him out. Um, but either way, he escapes in what I think is kind of a cool way. He uh, puts like a paper clip onto like an outlet and basically says fuck off and plugs yeah. it in and it blows blows the fuse pretty the badass office. moment for a character that really isn't given any moment like that no and also i don't think that's how electricity works no i don't think so but i'll take no. it did, did you he has, see the character name for his friend no i didn't it's the character's name is fat Gravara. <laughs> <laughs> no i didn't see that <laughs> i definitely would have remembered it a fat guavara i mean those those don't grow on trees <laughs> yeah um but yeah so he is able to sneak out of the darkened office with this information um so he he runs away but he winds up passing out um kind of in the sewers um and it's still nighttime yeah so we'll cut back to him when he wakes up um we cut to namju um, this shot is so cool. I, I love, love it. This. It's so, so it, it maybe want to sleep in a bridge. <laughs> yeah. So we see kind of the whole, if you're thinking about a bridge, like a, a big modern bridge in the giant girders, there are these kind of like holes in them. Right. But we don't think about that very often. Yeah. Um, Namju has slept inside one of them for the night. So it's, we it's see so a cool. shot of the, yeah, we see a shot of the bridge and kind of one of these holes in one of the girders. And then she just kind of pops out of it. Um, so she makes her way off to the sewers and she eventually finds the correct sewer. Um, she finds the creature. It runs up to her and she fires off a shot. Um, but again, it bats away with its tail too slow, Yeah, too slow. Um, so she gets knocked away into kind of like a crevice. She gets knocked. Is she knocked unconscious or is she just just knocked away? Like, but the the creature, either way, the creature can't get to her and the creature can't get to her. No. Yeah. Um, so we get Gangdu back where he is being held prisoner. Um, we have an American with an interpreter who comes in um, and asks him again in this really kind of silly way why, because he, he explains that his daughter's alive. He's looking for his daughter. He explains why hasn't he contacted the proper authorities to rescue his daughter? Um, kind of not understanding that he would be one of the proper authorities to rescue his daughter, but he's just not doing it. Yeah. Um, Gangdu breaks down and he says that no one ever listens to him, which is kind of what's happening right now. It, um, the guy's not listening. To and him. in this moment, he's like hysterical. He's like, I think he's been given anesthetic at this point. They're like, why is he still in yeah. pain and crying? Well, and again, that's the thing too. It's it's again to the range of these actors. This is a really heightened kind of both serious because of how Gangdu is acting situation. But also this heightened satire of this ridiculousness of like, you should be the one who's rescuing his daughter, government guy. Yeah. What do you mean he didn't like report it to the proper authorities? He's reporting it to you right now. Yeah. Um, but so he goes on to say that, oh, well, the virus must be in Gangdu's brain. It must be in his his frontal lobe. Um, but then immediately after saying that, he turns to his subordinate and says, oh, well, actually, there probably isn't a virus at all. Yeah. Um, they talk about the fact that the there is an American soldier who kind of helped and he passed away, but that actually he passed away from shock and that they haven't been able to find evidence of a virus. Yeah. Um, Gangdu again, this very silly moment. Gangdu overhears and um is like, wait a minute, there's not a virus. And everyone kind of stops and looks at each other for a <laughs> second because how can he understand English? And how is he still awake? <laughs> and how is he still awake? It's such a great cut. 
to like or like a pan yes. over to him <laughs> just be like listening the entire time they're like what the fuck how is he not sleeping yeah. um but they decide they're gonna open up his brain anyway yeah and it, i think it's implied i meant to go back and look at the actual dialogue again but i think it's implied that they're that they're it, they know there's no virus and it was made yes. up to distract from the fuck the fact that they all fucked up and like yes. might have created this creature accidentally but they need to quote unquote keep looking for the virus and it's so like the moment of the scientist talking about how the virus is in his brain is so <laughs> like if a doctor talked to me that way i'd like to think i'd be like you are a quack what are you talking about like he's just like he's like he's talking to to him like he like to gang do like he's a complete moron and he would never in a million years doubt his doctorly advice Yes. He's, he's, he's talking though, he's not even making it sound intelligent no he's not also um did you think that the doctor looked just like the guy from i think you should leave oh my gosh yeah doesn't he yeah I he did it was him he did I thought it was him and i had to look it up it's tim robinson yeah he did yeah, he, kinda, he had he yeah. had the similar like facial structure yeah yeah so but yeah yeah where you were gonna finish a point no, no, no. Go on. Tell us what happens next. So we don't see this like chronologically, but I guess like might as well just kind of elaborate on how that like Gangdu sequence ends. So he he kind of wakes up in the middle of his lobotomy, I guess. Yeah. And he takes a nurse hostage and he breaks out of where they're holding him. And there's like a bunch of military men and doctors just grilling out, having fun. They're clearly like that somewhat was very... like little base yeah that was very surreal to me when i saw the grill i did not know what to make of that <laughs> it's like i think like when it was happening so fast the first time i saw the movie i just didn't know what to think of it and this time it just cracked me up they're just like they're just grilling like out. grilling out because they don't have a care in the world they're just gonna use this agent yellow or whatever so so yeah so namil um meets a homeless man when he wakes up on the, like, uh, like on the side of the river or something around there and the homeless man helps him make Molotov cocktails. So they're really getting right to work. This they're really building very, to like an action sequence. Yeah. And again, Nam Il, Nam Il's whole journey in this film is very random and haphazard. It is. He like gets this scene with the cell tower. He finds that. Then he gets this moment with the homeless guy. Like none of it really feels of a piece in the way that everyone else's storyline does. It feels like, I yeah. don't know, we just got to get all these pieces in place. What also doesn't what feels off, but is totally fine in, in my book, and it's kind of really the point of this is like this. You'd really think that a family like this would not be capable of trying or be willing or capable to try to take down a creature, even if it meant saving their daughter. Like being able, being yeah. capable is one thing, or being willing is one thing. Being capable is a whole other deal. But anyway, it doesn't matter. So we see that some protesters are gathering by the bridge where Kung Seo is in order to protest against Agent Yellow being put into the Han River. I think they're wearing like Release Park Gangdu shirts, which I didn't notice the first time. Um, yes. Word travels presumably, fast, I guess. Yeah, presumably like protesting his arrest and imprisonment. Yeah. And so we cut to, we, we see Hung Seo and her attempted escape from the sewer so she, her and seju are trying to use a rope made of all the victims clothes at which it now like this the where they're being kept is just full of skeletons and like the creature shows up and like starts barfing a tons of bone ton of bones into the pit and then later on the creature seems like it's sleeping it's it's uh, presumably falling asleep and young seo there's a really cool moment where she tries to jump we kind of get a little bit of her pov she tries to run up 
and jump uh, to the clothes ladder. And she's grabbed midair, seemingly like unconsciously by the creature as it's sleeping and just like gently put back down. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good That's moment of suspense shot. there. Yeah. Yeah. And then the creature just does wake up eventually and swallows both of them. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well. You do. And yeah. And what happens with Young So is, well, we'll get to that in a, br- in a brief moment. Then maybe we'll park yes. on that for us for a second. But so Gong Du finds where she was held and sees all the skeletons. He he comes across the creature as it's leaving and sees Hyung Seo's arm sticking out of the creature's mouth. Not good. And so Gong Du chases the creature to where the protesters are. And so obviously chaos ensues there. Um, protesters scatter. Agent Yellow is released. Yes. I think like protesters are like vomiting blood and like yeah. blood. I, it's just complete chaotic just government fucking government being stupid um namil and namsu are they both show up there as well and yeah most of the protesters scatter and somehow the park family isn't affected is there a reason for this i didn't notice that the first time i watched it i think it's probably just plot formula i didn't catch it either it's like were they given a shot earlier or something but i I don't don't think think so. so I, yeah, I think it's a magical plot formula that lets them finish the movie without and I'm, throwing up. I'm fine with that. Yeah. I'm, I'm not looking for those types of answers here. So so Agent Yellow actually does stun the creature, though. So Gong Doon pulls Hyung Seo from the creature's mouth, but she's dead. And, she, and well, she's... And that's the thing, too, I didn't understand. So we're we're playing around with the idea that she's dead and Sijo is dead. Um but yeah go on go on she's like still holding on to him and so they pull it's like yeah. so they pull out this other kid they, they're like who the hell is this she's like hanging on to him and they think they're both dead um or at least maybe they know they definitely know that she is dead and just an absolute distraught gong do is i mean all, the whole family they start attacking the creature so gong do is like using a pole which is a weapon he uses earlier in the first you know um Creature attack sequence. Namil is using throwing Molotovs at the creature, and Namju is using her bow and arrow. Namju is a great moment where she like the, the some I think the homeless guy pours gas all over the the creature, and then she takes a flaming arrow and shoots it at the creature, lights it on well, fire. The, so he's pouring gasoline on the creature, and the creature like turns its head up to like drink the gasoline. Oh yeah, I I think the creature would have known it wasn't water because it, it's drinking it like water. Yeah, but it's definitely gasoline. But it's either too way, too late at it's that point. Too late, and it's you're right. It's an incredibly cool shot. Yeah. So the creature starts to really freak out, and as it's kind of like still on fire, it tries to retreat into the river. But Gongdu shows up and like stands out with the with its pole and impales the creature in the mouth. Really shocked that he's able to stand his ground. But again, yeah, it's a movie. Well, and they show his hand, like the hand that was supporting the pole. Yeah, it has a mark on it, but it's not like cut to ribbons like you would think it would be right and, and yeah he just he's able to to kill the creature yeah. and and yeah and so he he runs over to seiju seijo uh seijo's body and revives him and what happens yeah what how does so, the movie hit yeah so we get a little epilogue where gangdu now with a quote-unquote normal haircut he's not blondie anymore yeah. Um, he has taken over the snack shop and adopted C. Joe. Um, and yeah, he he seems to have his life together after this episode, and then things kind of end. Yeah, and I think that the news has like 
like on the background, the TV, like the news, there's the news like commenting on the 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 events of what like we just saw, but they kind of ignore it. Yeah. So yeah. So that was uh that yeah. was Stephanie Myers slash Andrew Nichols the host. <laughs> what do you think works about this? Um, we alluded to a couple of the things, but I'm gonna say the acting in general. I think the range that a lot of these actors show is incredible. Um, I think that in lesser hands, this movie would have fallen apart. I think it walks a real tightrope. Um, and we can talk about how this works as well. We'll want that in. I think it walks a tightrope between comedy and drama and, you know, this very serious stuff, the reality of losing your daughter, right? Things like that and that being played up, but also at the same time, these very heightened kind of silly satirical elements of the film. I think that, um, again, in a lesser director's hands, it, it just would fall apart. It wouldn't work. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with those. I think the creature is moi, chef's kiss. Yeah. Um, the creature is phenomenal. The effects for the creature aren't, you know, triple A across the board, but I think they're I think they're functional enough. And I think especially pretty much after you see the creature, once you kind of get in the mode for it, yeah, um, it kind of clicks and you don't really focus on the fact that the creature isn't kind of like triple A effects. Um, love the cinematography. I, I, I just think a lot of stuff about it works. Um, th- I have pretty much one major thing that doesn't work and probably you'll agree with me, but we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. What, uh, what works for you? Yeah. So again, as I, as I said before, and as well as you, you were just saying, like, it, there's such a great blend. I mean, Bong Joon-ho is such a great, so good at blending like drama elements of horror, but not actual horror. Um, and like very serious you know, moments in comedy with like with dark comedy, it's he's, it's so good. The tone, I love the tone of this movie, and I like I like the satire. And yeah, I mean everything you mentioned, like the the cinematography is great. One thing I like, I I was trying to think like, do I love the score? I don't know if I really if there was much of one or if I really paid much attention to it. That's not to say it's not good. I just I didn't. I don't, maybe it wasn't that notable. If you're being well, but. I mean, in a way, like I always think if I didn't notice the score, then it was at least good. Yeah. Agreed. Um, agreed. Yeah. Um, that wasn't me trying to like have a backhanded backhanded insult on the on the score. No. But yeah, agree with what you said about the creature too. You know, if you're being really picky, I guess you could say the CGI is what does is part of what doesn't work, but I I not that's unfair. I think it's uh, it's unfair to the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I have a feeling that I'm going to agree 100% with what you say doesn't work about the movie. Yeah, um, I'm going to say the orphan storyline. Yeah. I'm going to say C. Yeah. Joe. I, um, I think on top of that, Hyung Seo dying. I just think it's totally unnecessary. Exactly. Totally unnecessary. And then also is the reason for C. Joe, right? If she didn't die, we wouldn't need this character. <laughs> I think the idea is that now Gangdu is perhaps serious and he's taking his role as a father seriously and his job and he's adopted this child. And right. I think that's the idea, but I don't think we need any of that if she just doesn't die and he yeah. decides to value her and put you know clean up his act to be a better father it's I think such that would an have odd also worked equally as well it's such an odd decision to to kill her off i i don't understand is it is it because you were it almost like it's like trying to force some tragedy into the movie but i don't think this movie needs that it doesn't need the drama and also and even if it does it comes too late there's literally like five minutes of the movie left after you find out she's dead well, there's no, also, there's no time for it to sink in. You see him grow. 
it doesn't really add that much because yeah. I guess it gives another character for her to kind of bounce off of in the creature's lair, but they get almost no time together. So yeah. it's not even like that was a valuable use of that character. Um, also in a lesser movie that was like, you know, an 84 minute runtime, adding this character would bump it up to 90 minutes. But again, this is, a competent director who knows what he's doing. And this movie is already well over, like not well over, but this movie is already two hours long. Yeah. Like you didn't need to need to add this extra bit in with the orphan. So I don't think it works. I don't love it. I don't think killing her off at the very end is a great decision. I think it, yeah, I just, I, I, I don't think it works. I don't like it. I agree. I think, I think the Namil stuff is, is weak, but it's, I'm not going to criticize it in the same way as I do what we just talked about. No, I feel like Namil, like a lot of his character is kind of plot moving forward momentum and I'm fine with that. Yeah. Um, It's, it's not bad. Yeah. It's, it's just not necessarily as organic as some of the other parts of the film. I agree. But yeah, this, uh, would you want to live in this world full of, full of mutants and monsters? No, no. I don't want to live in a world where a bunch of formaldehyde is being dropped into a, a river that I might, you know, swim in or something, or I definitely and don't want a creature. The government response is the government response of this film, which is not great. Yeah. Our government's dumb enough as it is. I don't need to live in a world where it's even dumber. Or we is really this through really a, accurate? We lived through a real world pandemic that wasn't handled the best. So yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, um, What's your video game look like? Yeah. So my video game is a PlayStation two era, like third person behind the shoulder action adventure game. Nice. um, Where you're going through the sewers and you can trade off between the characters and each of them had different abilities. So obviously the sister has a bow. Obviously the drunk brother has Molotov cocktails um, what do you think Gondu would have? I couldn't decide what his power should be. I think he's I just going to have that pole. Yeah. I guess impaling people, I for- beating people with it. I forgot about the pole. So I was thinking about like him throwing snack foods at the creature. Okay. I like that. Also in, in the game, you would have to have the creature like laying eggs and mini creatures to fight. Hmm. Um, yeah, that was mine. It was pretty, pretty boring, pretty generic. However, I specifically wanted on the PlayStation two, because I feel like there's something about PlayStation 2 action adventure games that just really there's something about that day day and age and that genre that I just think works with this. You you're, you we record with our cameras off. You can't see how much I was smiling during what you said because of how similar our ideas were and how specific the choice some of the choices you made and how the reasons I did it too. PS2 era 100%. I agree. I basically had everything that you just said except I want it to be a horror game. Oh, okay. So yeah, you can you can so I had it as like a first person horror. You you had third third person action, but yeah, you can switch characters. It's not like a it's a survival horror, not where you're running away from the monster necessarily. It's one where you're hunting the monster, but you're still like playing games of like cat and mouse with it. So there's like an element of hiding, but it's more so you can get the advantage and try to fight it. So there's you know like strategic almost- ways to try to trap it and and kill it because you're trying to save your daughter. It almost ooh, saving daughters. Whoa. Or, or, nie- or niece. Um, yeah. Um, it almost reminds me of the NES Jaws game. Did you ever play that? I didn't. So it's kind of the NES Jaws game. This is a complete tangent, but um, it starts on a, it's a top down perspective of a boat and you're going on a map of the ocean. 
and then occasionally there'll be encounters where it switches to a 2d uh like uh like 2d left to right plane where you're a little swimmer going underwater and basically the plot is you're hunting jaws um so you're going around in the ocean and you're huh. having these encounter with like jellyfish and stuff but then eventually the idea is you're you're going after jaws um so almost like a 3d version of that hmm yeah, I like it's a it. terrible game. Don't like go emulate it. But that's the idea. The thing I was most passionate about was the PS2 era element. So I'm glad that you said that. I it just it just felt it felt like the the perfect like I I need a little bit of like not like N64 blocky characters or like graphics, but I need I need a I need a little bit more detail in my environments than like a PlayStation game. Yeah, but a, like PlayStation 2 would have been perfect for this like, but also just like that touch of jank that playstation 2 action adventure game yes had. and I, now that i think about it a ps2 for a ps2 era game specifically i think what you said of a third person would work better i think first person could be a little weird think like a two think like a, a ps2 um ps2 era tomb raider alike yeah think about like that yeah yeah yeah, yeah um so fan fiction corner was pretty disappointing really uh, disappointing this week. really disappointing tons of stuff uh, on uh stephanie myers the host though <laughs> isn't there yeah i found a ton of that um did you even read the actual fan fiction the the host returns yeah i did not read it um i or i, I skimmed it earlier today and to be honest with you i forgot about it i was just gonna come here and say it wasn't worth talking about i didn't find no anything it's very self-serious it's a short story Um, yeah it's 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 very self-serious it's not worth talking about but i feel like this world and this creature i feel like it warrants fan fiction absolutely absolutely yeah so what would yours be i was really struggling to think of what i wanted here i i Part of me wants something kind of disconnected from the actual like events of the movie, aside from the 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 government fuck up element. I kind of like the idea of figuring out what other stupid things the American government has done and problems has caused. Like it, kind of like a host cinematic universe where we're doing dumb shit <laughs> like this, like in the yeah the the formaldehyde cinematic universe or like where we're doing this in like other parts of the world like i don't want like all these host creatures all all this stuff to come together in like a godzilla versus kong type thing but i was just curious to know like what other dumb things has the american government done and the american military that's led to a kind of like extra extraordinary problem in another country like a creature i don't know it takes the form of something else a poisonous gas or like i don't know something of that nature so yeah that's 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 what i thought what about you do you feel like there could be a really good host caesar clown crossover (laughs) that's a deep cut reference (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, i I think i think so i think very much so um my my fan fiction idea is pretty simple um i want to be done with uh gangdu and his whole family uh, yeah. so all the original all the characters from the original host movie movie are done here's where i think some plucky orphans would work let's have some plucky orphans exploring the sewer boom they find like 50 host eggs it laid a bunch of eggs before it died and so it's just like a bunch of plucky orphans versus a bunch of like baby host creatures yeah doesn't That'd that be great. sound rad? That would be really fun. 
Yeah. It'd be a great just straight up action movie and definitely not a horror movie. No, definitely not a kaiju movie. That's for sure. That's for damn sure. Doesn't kaiju literally mean big? I should know the answer to that. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> mean like the size of two horses taped together. <laughs> you, you'd think we wouldn't need to spell that out in a dictionary, but I guess we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I but, really should um, know what kaiju means. I'm pretty. I, I think it's just. I think that word was generally created to mean a giant monster, but I I'll think have to, so. I'll have to look it up. I don't. I don't think anyone would knock you for assuming that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was uh that was the host. And yeah. again, not the 2013 Andrew Nichols the host. If you've made we'll it do this that far, one someday. if you've made it this far and we're wondering what's going on, why did you stick around this long? We said yeah, numerous also, times that David Hyde Pierce is not in this movie. <laughs> did you even hear us mention David Hyde Pierce? Not once. <laughs> not once. But not once. No. Um, um, besides hosting it up, what have you been doing lately? So movie wise, I, I really just was doing what I mentioned. So I watched the two Bong. I rewatched Parasite. I rewatched this obviously. And I, and I, I watched for the first time, the two Bong Joon-ho movies I hadn't seen yet. One of them is his, his feature film debut, which is called Barking Dogs Never Bite. I did not care for it. I think he made incredible strides going from that to Memories of Murder, which I think is an outstanding movie. Um, wouldn't recommend Barking Dogs Never Bite, but um, the actress who plays uh, Nam Ju is is one of the co-leads of that movie. She's good in it, but again, not a great movie. Uh, and then I watched Okja. It's kind of. Oh, hmm. sorry. I was just going to say it's kind of interesting that you you don't really hear about that very frequently, uh, like a typically accepted renowned director having a really terrible not terrible but not great first project and then it's really weird to hear growth from the first project the second project like that usually like think about an Ari Aster who hits it out of the park you yeah. know, on the first go so uh, the two I think that the first two comparisons that come to mind and and I don't think that either one of these first features are bad. Like Christopher Nolan had following. It's a, not a movie that many people have seen. It wasn't really widely released. People don't really think about it. They think of Memento as his first movie and Memento is definitely a better movie than following. And then Darren Aronofsky had pie, which actually I think is a good yeah. movie. And then he had Requiem for a dream, but you really think of Requiem for a dream as like his moment like you're, and then it's, it's just like, oh, this is his first movie. Like, oh, by the way, he also had like an early feature that he made, which is really his first movie. And you're like, oh, yeah, well, it's not that great. Um, yeah. And yeah. And I would really wish I would be could say that, like, I think that Bong Joon-ho has like an immaculate record. I always find it very interesting when I when you find a director who really hasn't made a bad movie. I would say that that movie is not great, um, but I would say that every movie he's made since is very good. So congrats to you, Bong Joon-ho. Um, <laughs> hats off. <laughs> hats off. Uh, yeah. Again, Memories of Murder, highly recommend it. All of his movies, really, except that first one. But um, but obviously watching more One Piece. I think I said last episode that I was around episode 700. I don't know where I got that number from. I was probably more at like 650 when I said that. I'm now almost at 700. I'm about five episodes Okay, what's the... What's going on plot wise? Uh, Luffy has reached Doflamingo. And I'm all, I'm just going to say that's all I'm going to say in case anyone listens to this, who is, I, I know someone who might maybe might listen to this, who also watches one piece and is behind me. So I don't want to spoil anything. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, I just, this isn't a spoiler, but I just like how uh, Luffy calls Doflamingo Dofi. 
I love that. I would say like of my like of Luffy's many name butcherings, I like uh, my two favorite are, are in this arc. Like one that he just refuses to say Trafalgar, and so he just calls him Tra guy. <laughs> but I think yeah. his him calling Cavendish Cabbage is my favorite. Yeah, and po- possibly even good. better than that is you know like like Robin has nicknames for everybody. I love that she calls Trafalgar Law Tra guy also. I, it's like a, um, Robin is one of the most loyal to Luffy. Like her and Zoro are so loyal to Luffy and they love him. I love that about those two characters. I think that's why Luffy, Zoro and Robin are my three favorite straw hats. But I also just find it interesting that, that it does Robin is Robin doing that just because she doesn't want to remember Trafalgar or, or speak, speak those <laughs> syllables every time. Or I don't know. I just, I just find it so funny. Um, this is a small aside, but, um, uh, do you, do, have we talked about the Robin nickname Eni's lobby change? Um, what are you referring to? Maybe. I, I'm so sure. pre Eni's lobby, Robin calls everyone by their nickname. So yes. Mr. Bushido or Mr. Or Longnose. Nose, After yeah. Eni's lobby, she starts calling everyone by their names, which I love. Yeah, she does. I, I, you know, I, I don't think we did talk about that. I don't even know, think if I, I fully appreciated that. Because yeah, yeah, she, she, she said never... Usopp a lot. She's with Usopp for a lot of this arc. Yeah, she, yeah, but in Eni's lobby, like pre Eni's lobby, yeah. if you notice, she never once says anyone's name. Post Eni's lobby, she uses their names then, which I, I love. I do like that. Oh, that's great. They're her, they're her, like they're her found. I, don't like, you love found family? Yeah. It's great. They're friends. Yeah. Yeah. Um, video game wise, oh, what? What? Oh, I was, I was just gonna rub it in that I'm, I'm current and you're not. You told you did last time, so yeah, so there, it's not as fresh. Um, video game wise, I am just a damn fool and restarted both Super Mario Odyssey and Breath of the Wild. Like, what (laughs) what am I even doing? What are you doing? I, I like, I, I. I really want, I really want to play both those games again. I just, it's so hard. Breath of the Wild is such a fantastic game, but such a long game. I am not even at the first Divine Beast yet, but I'm close. And it's, and a I, lot of my time has just been spent exploring. Yeah, I uh, I definitely have a Super Mario Odyssey playthrough in me. I've only played it through once. Same. Um, and yeah, I think I got another playthrough in me. Yeah. The, uh, the last thing I'll mention is that I finally started Stardew Valley. I played a lot of it already. I mean, by a lot, I mean, it, all of it you can play in like 24 hours. I am like almost done with my first spring season. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. I, play, I, I, I played a lot. I think, well, unless I'm wrong, I thought like the seasons are, are separated into like 30 day like seasons and then it goes to the next one. Is that, am I wrong or no? I I don't know off the top of my head. But I like I can't it's it's so addictive and I, I knew it would be. It's just like, oh, where's one more day? I'm like, I'm going to go to the mine today. You're like, oh, wait, nope. Then, I can, yeah, then you, you're like, exactly. I'm going to turn it off now. And you're like, oh, wait, no, I have to harvest. Yeah. And you're like, where did the day go? And it's like, oh, you spent your day watering and picking plants. That's it's where it went. I just unlocked the sprinkler recipe. And so I'm very excited to make that yeah. part of my day not take as long. Exactly. Yeah. You got to get the sprinkler. Yeah. How about you? Um, yeah, I uh, I have finished watching Midnight Mass. Um, I don't usually get obsessed about shows or super, super into things. 
Um, but I did for Midnight Mass. I pretty much never will binge watch, meaning I won't watch an episode of something and then immediately watch the next episode. I can't do that. I like to mix up my shows. I find that very um, interesting. But Midnight Mass you. was a show. Yeah. Midnight Mass made me um, want to keep watching immediately after. That's awesome. So I did that. It's very good. Highly recommended. Video game wise, um, I did start Stardew Valley. Um, Stardew Valley gave me the itch for another kind of sim game. So I also uh, was playing uh, Cult of the Lamb. Oh, um, have you interesting. I've heard of that. Play Cult of the Lamb? I watched some of the footage of it. It's like a roguelike like sim game or something it's it's a base management sim in that you're uh in charge of a cult but then it's also a roguelite where you go out into dungeons and gain resources for your cult okay and it creates this kind of endless loop that is extremely addicting okay i probably will not play it because i am trying to take already do too much given <laughs> try to try to yeah, do odyssey yeah don't add this to the list yeah um i wish i could play it more though because uh my switch has been overheating so i can't really play it which is very sad yeah it sounds like you're done uh, for but you gotta get that oled yeah i'm I'm gonna be living that oled life soon so but the other good news good because of that means that i've had to go back to elden ring and go back to the drawing board on the fire giant oh yeah took so down the I fire finally giant be- Finally beat the fire giant. I wound up caving. I just used swarm of flies to cheese him. I didn't. So when I played, I don't think that they might have made that move more powerful. Because when you said when when you texted me that, I was like, really? Is that effective? But it must be. Yeah. If you get arcane 20, if you have arcane 20 and you have swarm of flies, Mm -hmm. um, that's apparently as powerful as you can make it. Yeah. And. I got him down um, and then just spam swarm of flies. And that took out the last like third of his health. Hmm. Um, so I'm currently stuck on the Godskin duo. Oh yeah. So they're one that I was, I was so, I was getting impatient. I really wanted to get to the end of the game. I, I fought them once. I was mostly using the blasphemous blade to use their, it's okay. long range attack, which is really powerful, way overpowered. And um, I I almost beat them first try. And then I was like, I don't want to go through this and beat my head against the wall. So I that was like the one fight I summoned the Mimic tier for to win because I just wanted to get through. Yeah, I um. Did you do you know the sleep strategy? No, apparently sleep or not. Apparently I, I toyed around with it today. Sleep is incredibly, incredibly effective on both of them. So really? if you throw a sleep if you throw a sleep pot at one, it will put it completely to sleep almost until you're able to kill the other. Holy and I know cow. they keep regenerating. Yeah. But um still though. You it is possible to kind of bounce between the two of them, putting one to sleep, fighting one, and then going back to the other. I have not been successful with that, but it is a strategy that I think will eventually help me win. I like it. The yeah. you're in for you're in for a treat the the bot other the last two bosses of that area what do you think of i am forgetting the name of it already uh crumbling pharaoh Mazua. yeah what do you think of it uh i think it's incredibly cool um i think i literally thought once i got there i was like oh from has been building for building to this yeah like from has been building to an area like this that like they've never been able to do it like yep. this before and this is them doing it and i love it 
I completely agree with that. That's a great way to put it. And I think that it was, despite the fact that Elden Ring is not one of my top, like top, top from games, I think it is possibly the coolest area they've ever designed. It had um big Ring City energy to me. It did. And that was the biggest, like that combined with the dragon um, area, I already forgot in Dark Souls 3, like not the, not the non-DLC part, like the um, where, where the where the dragon is and where you fight Nameless King. I was getting like, similar energy from that too like that combined with yes. ring city very they're very clearly building to it which is really interesting to see yeah. that progression because that was literally the last dark souls related thing they made before um, development of Elden ring arch dragon peak right that was the yes, name yes that was it yes that's it. yes um so yeah th- that has been what i've been up to um you know there's one well there's movie that i haven't seen in a while Oh, I bet I'm I could guess what it about is. Rewatching. Yeah. Are you not going to wait till the holidays? You know, I'm not going to wait until the holiday. Because it's a movie for all seasons, would you say? I would say The Grinch is a film for all of all ages and all seasons. What wait, would you be, say? Be, be, you need to clarify. Are you referring to Andrew Nichols slash Stephanie Myers, the, the Grinch? <laughs> um god i wish or the david hyde pierce voice to the grinch oh again if only be still my heart (laughs) are you referring to the 1966 i think how the grinch stole christmas with chuck jones at the helm it's just a classic there's nothing you can do about it there really isn't yeah all right bye. bye i'm done